When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode of the Birdshot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt and Final Rise. This episode of the show, we highlight an upland hunting focused nonprofit serving and supporting disabled veterans, Wings of Valor Lodge in South Dakota. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 176. All right, welcome back to the Birdshot Podcast, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the show. Apologies for the somewhat lengthy delay between this episode and our last episode. I had intended to get today's show out around Memorial Day, but by the time we could get our schedules lined up and get the thing recorded, that timeline passed us by, and here we are today. But that said, today's conversation, message, and opportunity support is no less relevant than it would have been a week or so ago. It's an important one indeed, and we will get to our conversation with Bruce Weller and Sean Adams of Wings of Valor Lodge in South Dakota shortly. 
Quickly, though, thank you to all of the Patreon supporters out there. Your continued support of the Birdshot Podcast is appreciated. First episode in June, we've got a winner to announce the May Patreon giveaway winner of an Onyx Elite subscription, David H. out of New Jersey, winner of the Thanks for being a Patreon supporter, David. Onyx Elite card headed your way very soon. This month, we've got a little mixed gift basket from Yukonuba, Onyx Hunt, Pine Ridge Grouse Camp, and Birdshot Podcast, namely another Onyx Elite subscription card, a couple of little swag items from Yukonuba, and a few additional items, stickers from Birdshot Podcast and Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. So a little mixed gift basket for you this month. All you got to do to be eligible to win is be a Patreon supporter of the show. Starts for as little as five bucks a month. And no matter what level you sign up at, I'm going to send you some Birdshot podcast can coolers and stickers as a little gift and a token of my appreciation for your support of the Birdshot podcast. Find it at patreon.com forward slash Birdshot. Oh, and one more thing on the Patreon side. Talking to Jack Butler of Gumleaf Boots. All Patreon supporters of the Birdshot podcast are now eligible for a discount on boots from gumleafusa.com. We got a lot of rain over the last month. I am anticipating the possibility of wetter covers than we have had the last couple of years. We'll see how the rest of the summer goes, but I got a hunch my gumleaf boots are going to be seeing more action this year than they did certainly last year. That's for sure. So Patreon supporters, discount eligible for gumleafusa.com. I will probably share something via Patreon, or if you don't see it, call the number on the website. You'll talk to Jack. Fill them in that you're a listener and Patreon supporter of the Birdshot Podcast. We'll get you squared away. I was wearing my new Gumleaf Viking Tex boots while I bagged my turkey right at the tail end of May. Just a couple days left in the season. That's right. If you've been following along and waiting on the edge of your seat, I was successful. My first solo turkey hunt where I called all the shots, made all the mistakes, did just enough right to get a nice big tom within range. He actually came in with three or four more toms. It was a pretty awesome hunt. I kind of unknowingly snuck up on them and struck them up on a call. It was everything I could have hoped for in a turkey hunt and a really cool way to round out my first turkey season hunting closer to home than I ever have before. So that was pretty cool. Looking forward to next year already, but of course there's plenty to look forward to before turkey season 2023. All right, we're going to move into our conversation today, an important one and a potential opportunity for listeners to support and or contribute to a damn good cause. Wings of Valor Lodge out of South Dakota, a nonprofit that was I was made aware of through Upland Gun Company. Contact of ours was familiar with the lodge, connected us. We assisted them in some of their fundraising efforts earlier this year. And as a result, I got connected to Bruce Wheeler, who is the chief executive officer, and Sean Adams, co-founder of Wings of Valor Lodge, and also Afghanistan war veteran with the United States Marine Corps. These two gentlemen joined us on the Birdshot podcast to share a little bit more about their story, the mission, and the opportunity of Wings of Valor Lodge, and it's certainly one that fits in nicely with the upland hunting focus of this podcast. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bruce and Sean, learn a little bit more about Wings of Valor Lodge, what they have set out to do and already accomplished in its short existence, and if you are so inclined, learn a little bit more about it at wingsofvalorlodge.org, consider contributing to the mission and their effort, which I think is one very small way that we can acknowledge the men and women that have served and sacrificed for this great country of ours and made it possible for us to enjoy the freedoms we all have, follow our dogs in pursuit of wild game on public lands or wherever you choose to do so. I will let Bruce and Sean tell you the rest of the story 
And without further ado, I'd like to welcome into the conversation and onto the Birdshot podcast of Wings of Valor Lodge, Bruce Weller and Sean Adams. And with that, I'd like to welcome Sean and Bruce to the Birdshot Podcast. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining me today. Bruce, why don't we start off with you? Tell us a little bit about who you are, your association with Wings of Valor, and and where we're talking to you from today. Oh, great to be here today. Uh, I'll start off by saying that uh, Wings of Valor is uh, south of Parker, South Dakota. So we're about uh, 35 minutes from Sioux Falls, and um, I got involved in this business probably 15 years ago with doing some disabled veterans hunts. And uh, over the years, we had a, a lot of uh, people come in. It, generally, it was Vietnam veterans. And then in the last few years, we have a lot more of the uh, Iraq and uh, Afghanistan veterans come in. So I think it was five years ago when we decided, uh, Sean, I met Sean Adams, who you're going to talk to in a little bit here. I, I just, We decided that we're going to start putting a program together to help disabled veterans and do it on more of a consistent basis. So when we started, we were doing just one hunt a year. And now we're doing them pretty much every other uh, weekend. So um, I own the property. I uh, got to know Sean about five years ago. He came in. He's a young man from Atlanta. He liked what was going on out here. So we formed a nonprofit and then started reaching out to veterans across the country uh, and then also built a lodge that's completely accessible. So that's what makes us different. Um, we do reach out to a lot of different uh, theaters as far as uh, veterans. We get a lot of different ages that come through here, but generally it's People that have uh, a disability, and we have the facility that can uh, host them and give them a great experience while hunting pheasants in South Dakota. Yeah, awesome. I definitely, definitely am looking forward to diving into a little bit more about Wings of Valor Lodge. Appreciate it. And Bruce, so you own the property. You are, was it CEO of Wings of Valor? Yeah, I'm the CEO of uh, Wings of Valor. We have um, a board that's been put together for our nonprofit. Um, I actually live on the property, so I get to see all the action and all the activity. Um, but it has been a, a really a mission um, that came together when I met Sean Adams. And I, I think most of his ideas of how you bring in veterans that are um, trying to navigate through life. And it's it's been an incredible experience for me, although i been on doing hunting for uh, 17 years and like i said before 15 of those years we've been doing disabled veterans hunts the the uh, hunting operation has just taken on a whole new face uh, since we started doing the um, the non- non-profit and bringing in veterans from all across the country and all of that really was started when when sean adams uh, came onto the place and came into the picture well sean it sounds like we better introduce you to the conversation sean tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and and how you wound up meeting Bruce and getting involved with Wings of Valor. Well, you know, I think it all really started with an intervention that took place in Afghanistan, you know, when, when I got blown up in February of 12, you know, I was, I was critically wounded there. And then I was transitioned to Walter Reed after about a week time delay, you know, and um, getting back to the States. And then I went through 21 to 24 months worth of hospitalization and uh, trying to relearn how to live life at 19. You know, my life had just started really. My career just started, you know, and um, I started seeing, a, you know, a lot of fellow soldiers, Marines, airmen and everything. They all started having pretty bad issues with, with abusing alcohol, medications, their selves, mentally, physically, uh, people around them loved them. And, but their, their way of dealing with it was thrashing out, you know, 
um, and because they really didn't know what else to do, and no no professionals had answers for us. They still don't, you know. I don't think there's a way to answer, you know, someone going through such a traumatic experience, either physically or mentally, that there is an answer to come back and be normal again, you know. Um, and we learned that from 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 veterans coming from past theaters, you know, Vietnam, Korea, World War II. There's things that those gentlemen will will never not see again, you know. And I think that, you know, I transitioned out of the Marines in 2014. And so um, after my time in service, I was, I was potentially lost. I was isolating myself. I was numbing myself and my mental uh, stature with alcohol, you know, and, and, and just abusing myself mentally more than a young man probably should. And I was, you know, I was doing things that just, this just wasn't Sean, you know, it just wasn't me at all. And, you know, I was a very yeah. angry person, you know. And, um, I, the biggest thing for me is I was seeing my guys that I was overseas with, you know, come back, either go home, live life, or I was, I was seeing them struggle with so many different things from finances to mental issues, to family, to marriage, to trying to be a parent, you know, and it's, it just broke my heart because, you know, I, I bled for them and in turn they saved my life. And then in turn I came home and was given support, you know, through the, the, the grace of, many good Americans, you know, from, from really the work heart, the workhorse is from the Vietnam era guys. Cause they wanted us to, to not face what they did coming home, you know? And so, you know, we were given a lot of support as wounded warriors, um, co- you know, especially combat related wounded warriors, you know, and I, I, I don't mean to separate myself there when it comes to vet, you know, wounded warrior from veteran versus combative relate, you know, sustained injuries. But, you know, in a sense, there is a difference. You know, I'm not going to say I'm better than them or anything like that, you know, but but we all have to agree there is a little bit of different, you know, statute there that you look at when it comes to medical term and yeah. um, and severity, you know, how the wounds took place. Um, so, you know, you know, past that, you know, I kind of had this calling of, you know, I, I needed a purpose. You know, I think that the pillars for veterans needs to, needs to be purpose in life. When you come home, especially from a theater, spend a week there, spend two weeks, spend, you know, six years coming in and out of combat, you know, you lose that sense of purpose again. When you come back, now you're not, you know, you don't have something you got to do at five o'clock tomorrow morning or tonight you're going out at a recon mission or, um, you know, you got to make sure that your guys are, are performing or, you know, you could, you could get pop shots on an alleyway and your guys being complacent and complacency kills. Well, that same high tense, high speed, thought process comes home and society wants you to shut it off. Well, now you become complacent. You become, you know, kind of lock yourself in a shell and you, you may physically be here, but you're not here anymore. You're, you're still overseas in Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, guys from Vietnam are still in Da Nang. You know, they're still in Saigon, um, but they're physically here and they have been for 40 plus years, you know. And um, I think the biggest thing that hit me was, you know, you got to come home and it's okay to come home. And so, you know, I was a, I was a spokesman and an ambassador for multiple other organizations, you know, Semper Fi Fund, Slash America Fund, Garrison East Foundation, um, Hope for the Warriors, you know, Hits for Heroes. I mean, I was doing all that, but I wasn't able to help impact directly hands-on as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. Due to that, you know, they had staff and everything. And I said, you know, I, I did some hunting things down in, uh, down southeast here where I'm from in Georgia. And I noticed that coming home, there was nothing that was accessible. Everybody thinks we're ADA compliant, but that doesn't make you wheelchair accessible. It's a base standard. 
by federal law. That's it. There's no truly somebody in a wheelchair goes in here and says, yep, this is truly wheelchair accessible with the thought process of how we design the lodge and everything at the, at the at Wings of Valor, you know, and I, I went hunting with Buckmasters down in Alabama with Jackie Bushman and those that, that crew, and hmm. I, I met some kids, and these kids never got to live a life like I did. At least I got to live some sense of a normal life, you know, for a short period of time. But these kids never went on their first date. They never kissed their first girl. You know, they never got their first speeding ticket. They'll never know what it's like to go to prom or play football or wrestle or do anything that that is kind of the basics for American life, you know. Hmm. And 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 these these kids were bound to wheelchairs and being fed by their parents as if they were babies. And they were some of them were older than I was at the time, you know. And it just it just killed me. And I felt so wrong sitting there eating food in front of these kids, these adults, some of them, and they're sitting there, you know, eating it through a, a feeding tube, man. I, I just felt like so, so out of place. And that, that gave me the understanding, the final straw, I guess you would say that this has got to change. There's got to be eyes opened in the community and society of America that due to Iraq and Afghanistan war, we have a war that took place that has produced more critically wounded service members that have survived the wounds they sustained. So, you know, you got numbers of 17 plus thousand veterans that are just amputee that have come back from these war. And now you're talking, they have to be reacclimated to um, society, the hunting aspect of society, the job fair aspect of society. So how do you do that? You know, um, that's a question that can't be answered, obviously, it's in a lot of ways. So to me, it was the understanding that I have a way to do this. Um, you know, then 20, I'll say 2015, 16 timeframe, I was, I was given a phone call. So, Hey, you want to go to South Dakota and pheasant hunt? And I said, well, yeah, I did some pheasant hunting in Rector, Arkansas a couple of times. And that was pretty fun. It was my first time interacting with upland birds and, yeah. You know, it's it's pretty fun, you know, and um, it was a European style hunt with a tower like we do at the lodge now. And, yeah. um, I, you know, I went up there, everybody was nice. The community was just, you know, there to help veterans and anything you needed. And, um, you know, from there, you know, I, I visited, I think it was three more times. And um, that, that's where me and Bruce started the conversations of what's, what's the future, you know, what we know and and that conversation led into, to, well, let's form a foundation to help veterans. And how do you do it? Well, you just do it. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, there's a hundred different business outlines you can do. There's, there's many platforms you can put together on paper, but in the end, you got to be willing to work hours that no one else will. You got to be doing, you got to do things that no one gives you credit for. Um, and you got to be willing to understand that, you know, your job is to steward volunteers your job is to make sure veterans um is a top priority in the mission and you got to understand that if you're not impacted in the veterans the hunting doesn't mean anything yeah you know and 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 therefore you know in 2019 wings of valor was a uh went from conversation to reality incredible incredible well sean thank you for your service to our country and uh, bruce i'm i'm curious so it sounds like hunting has has been a part of your life that was something that you were you were involved in well before wings of valor was it a clear-cut thing that 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 was going to be the way that you were going to give back was that was that an obvious decision for you 
Well, Nick, I think uh, that the, the true answer to that is that everything that happened out here was uh, by the grace of God, <laughs> because I don't, I don't believe we ever had a plan in place. Uh, my, I do come from a hunting family in central Minnesota, and I've been out in South okay. Dakota for about 30 years now and had the opportunity to buy a piece of ground and uh, really develop into a lodge and have had uh, corporate hunts and uh, family hunts and uh, everything in between out here near Parker um, for 17 years. And like I said, about uh, five years ago, the conversation with, with Sean uh, led into what we have right now. And it's, uh, it truly is, a, I, I think I should say it, it's an incredible um, facility. We've had so many people come in from all parts of the country. And uh, most of those people, have, they, uh, they're given the, the pass by Sean. He, he interviews them before they come. And of course, some of them have been referred to him by other people that have been here. And um, the interest is the hunt, but it's not really what it's about when they get here. And I, I always say yeah. uh, w- we provide a place that's accessible for everyone and an opportunity to do something that's interested uh, that's interesting to them. And then once the veterans get here, they have to do all the hard work because it is about veterans helping veterans. Yeah. Sean, you mentioned you made a point of, of stating that, you know, if you don't, if you don't impact the veterans, you know, it's, it's, you're not completing the job at that point being, having been through what you've been through your experience and, and, and as you envisioned what wings of valor could be, what came to mind? What, what were you thinking of, you know, wanting to ensure that, that you did make an impact on people when, when they came to wings of valor lodge? Um, I, I think that, making them feel that they're not being put on a, a stat sheet with mm. a comparison to other veterans is, is a very important thing to make sure they, they, they have that in their, in their process, you know, making sure that, you know, when they get here, that the staff is, has been completely briefed on any and all mobility impairments they may have so that they don't have to fill out a place when they get there, if they're amputee or if they're, they're, they're paralyzed, you know, so when they show up, it is a setting of normalcy versus a setting where they have to acclimate to it. And to me, that is a, a, that a creates a majestic time and area that these veterans can get together and you could have six people there that are completely normal. They served in peacetime. Uh, they didn't see combat or you got one or two guys that are physically okay, but they went through multiple deployments from, you know, from, from, you know, Kuwait to, to Iraq, Afghanistan or, or Africa or wherever. Right. Um, and then you got a, a, a gentleman there that's probably similar to my case and he got blown up or he's missing a hand, both legs, uh, could be blind, could be sitting there with cancer. You don't know. Um, yeah. but that doesn't matter because we have set the stage before they get there to make sure when they go in that door, everybody's on the same playing field. There's nothing that that makes them handicap because there's no stumbling blocks in front of them. Now they're now they're normal again. Now now they're they're completely mobile uh, and empowered by on their own wheel, you know, to do what they need to do, you know. And that's I think that is probably the biggest impact I try to make is is make them understand that your own empowerment is very important in your life. And either before they get there or after they leave, they understand that. Wow, I just spent seventy two hours or more 
doing things on my own that my caregiver, my wife, my kids don't have to help me as much if we could just make some small adjustments to, to my home, home place, you know, um, I, I could, I could, you know, be a better father. I could be a better, this, I could be a better, that mother, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I think just understanding that also that people care, you know, if, if a volunteer doesn't have a smile on their face, then you're not doing it right. You know, you, you need to be happy that, that you're there to help veterans. Not like, Oh my God, I can't wait till six o'clock gets here. Like your workspace, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's another thing is, is, is making sure that you keep a positive aroma in, in the, in the room and in the field and, and the interactions between volunteers, staff and everybody else and the veterans that are there because, you know, they, they come, they're, they're leaving a chaotic chaos, uh, they're leaving chaos was the best way to put it when, from either mental stresses or financial stresses, marital stresses, divorce stresses with kids, with custody stuff, you know, those, those are so dynamic in people's lives now and in present day. And now you're adding the stresses of trying to deal with acclimation from combat acclimation from, you know, being critically wounded as an amputee or something. And now you got to get up two hours extra, uh, at four o'clock in the morning to be ready for work by seven, you know, it's just stresses like that, that people do not think about and they take for granted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are things that, that all of us, you know, we might turn to upland hunting in order to escape some of those things. And, and that's not even considering the additional challenges that, that some of these veterans are facing and, and the things that they've been through, the things that they would have to deal with. It's, uh, it's, it's easy for me to see that, that preparation and, and obviously making sure every, the stage is set, I think, as you put it, it would be important for somebody to actually go to Wings of Valor Lodge and, and take away the, the, the small, the romance that we have about upland hunting, be able to enjoy the simple things, enjoy nature, and, and actually enjoy the hunt component of it by, by having everything, everything established and, and set up beforehand. What, what were the biggest what were the biggest challenges or hurdles you thought, again, as you envisioned, obviously I think the accessibility thing it would be worth talking about and how the lodge is set up and there's so, so much variation in what, what a disability could be. What were the things that, that you had to think through and, and solve really to make, to make this all possible? Sean, Bruce, I don't know which one of you wants to jump on this one, but love to get both your thoughts on it. Um, I, I'll start out, Nick, if you don't mind. The, um, Probably some of the main things when you come into the lodge, uh, immediately you notice extra wide doors, 42-inch wide doors. Um, and I know that ADA probably says 32. Well, here you've got an extra 10 inches. Does it make a difference? Absolutely. And Sean's one of the first one to point out to me. He comes in, he's pushing his wheelchair. Your knuckles hit the side of the door, the jam. You know, that's a bad thing. Yeah. No, no, most people don't have to think about that. These guys do. These women do. Um, you come into the lodge, it's all tiled, so there's no issues with rugs. There's no issues with you trying to your mobility within the lodge. The, the cabinets have pulled down um, drawer uh, shel- shelving, so you have access to those. The sinks are all tucked under. You go into the bathrooms, there's bars, there's a seat, there's no sharp turns. Everything is set up, and, and actually, i got to tell you how, how we did this. Sean was involved in the initial layout. We laid out one-by-fours on the floor. And he ran through with his chair. And we had initially started with an eight suites in this building. And we ended up with six because he said, no, there's not enough room. There's not enough room. And I kept thinking, hey, this is going to cost more money, Sean. Come on. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he was a stickler about it. And I, I just remember uh, the, the probably it's, it's sort of funny. And 
John didn't think I was taking it that way when he was doing it. But the bath, the shower stalls, I think we changed them five times. We had them in, we tore them out, we put them back in, we tore them out. <laughs> but we have something that's really special right now. The outlets are at 24 inches, so you don't have to bend over. Um, the fire system is low frequency, so if you have blast injury, you, still, you can still pick up that sound. I mean, we just keep going on and on. The rooms are individually um, heated and cooled. You have access to the exterior through a 42-inch door, too. So if you have a service animal, you can get out. There, there are just a lot of things that I, even when I walk a group through, I, I forget. And then all of a sudden, I notice it. And then I'll bring it up and say, here's another feature. Here's another feature. So here's at the, the end of the day, and, and this is what's really important, and Sean talked about it. There was a, a young man here, a Sergeant Major from, I'm, I'm going to think he was from Ohio, I guess, um, double amputee. And as he was leaving, he came up to me and he said, I want to thank you so much. Do you realize I was completely independent during my stay here? And that just, that just choked me up. And he was, he was so happy. He just said, I, this, is, this is special. I mean, he, he was so sincere. That's, I guess that's the part that really made me feel like, you know, the extra work, the extra time, um, and Sean put a lot of time into this, um, it was all worth it because it is about bringing independence back to these young men and women that have given so much to this country. Sean, go ahead. No, yeah, I would, I would say Bruce, you know, hit it on the nail. I mean, there's, there's fine details we could talk about, but the gist of it is, is we, we took an ADA standard that that's federally known across the nation. And we used my, my house, which was custom built for me by the Garrison East foundation. And we put those two things together and we took it to a world-class level. And we made sure that these guys and, and ladies that come in with whatever mobility impairment they have, um, you know, we even designed the lodge to be able to acclimate the room further if we have to, um, to, to their needs. We also made it possible so that, that, you know, if they have a caregiver or a service animal, there's each room has individual AC and individual exit doors for fire purposes. But also if they have service animals, they can air the dog out you know, and, and maintain that under their own willpower. They ain't got to ask us to do it or not, not that they won't. You know, there's, there's, there's enough staff members that are and volunteers right. that, that make this thing run that are there on a daily basis. And, you know, myself, Bruce, Amber, and so many other people that were a part of the first designing of this thing, you know, we, we, we get a lot of credit, but, you know, in the end, you know, our, our volunteers make this thing move and, and our sponsors, it really does. And we allow them to go through the lodge and, and, you know, when you go to a hotel, the biggest thing I tell people that, that aren't, are not, They've never been exposed to wheelchair thought process, I guess you'd call it. If you go to a hotel, most of your hotels have a thick padded main hallway um, carpet that goes down the hallway to the rooms. Get in a wheelchair, put a bag in your lap, and push down to the room that the, 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 the staff gives you that's always on the end of the hallway, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, then you push down that hallway and do it two or three times during a, you know, a, a stay there for a couple of days. And then you'll figure out why we did the things we did yeah. um, where you sit on the shower bench and the, 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 the shower head and the, the valves are on the other side of the shower wall. So how are you supposed to reach them? You know, uh. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, you know, it's just stuff like that. It's like, this has got to be better, you know? And, and, you know, I was blessed with, with some knowledge, you know, um, and an engineering type background. Um, 
and I just kind of got together with, with Bruce and Amber and we, we put this thing together. Um, uh, we had some input for some volunteers that are already there, you know, Jim and some others. And, you know, we, we just made it happen. Like Bruce said earlier, there's no, there's no plan. You know, we, uh, Bruce said we did the showers a couple of times and trust me, it, it was a pain, but you know, <laughs> it was, you know, it's just one of those things. If it's, it's, it's gotta be right. You know, you look at the institutions that, that provide help to veterans that are government funded or whatever veterans always have to go there and face a challenge. And so we wanted to make sure they don't face a challenge there, you know, uh, just like Bruce talked about Sergeant Major Mackey, um, you know, coming up to him on their way out and saying, Hey, I didn't face anything here. It was amazing. You know, he was, a uh, Sergeant Major Mack is, is a good, you know, advocate. And for him to come there and say something like that, you know, this, 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 this gentleman is, has commanded, you know, hundreds and hundreds of Marines and he knows several people that are wounded and he, you know, he's, he's been an advocate piece for us now to help get, get people in the, in the shoot to come up to the lodge to experience what true in, independence really is when it comes to the great outdoors. The landscape there is perfect for it. And I think just the society of South Dakota, that's patriotic. And yeah, I, I think this is the perfect birthplace for something like wings of valor. You know, we, we do look to the future, um, especially me. Um, I, I'm very, um, uh, foregoing, I guess you would say, um, I, I would like to see five more of these things across the nation over the next, you know, 15 years or so, just so that, so that we, we further expand the ability to empower veterans to be able that, that are in wheelchairs or, or some type of mobility issue. They're able to engage in any and all game that, that North America has to offer. And I think that when you look further down the road and you look past the hunting that we're trying to really impact is what's past the hunting is the mind, body, spirit. That's, that's the pillars we're trying to impact. And that allows us to have these veterans in our care, so to speak for six years and even some more than that, because they, they come back and visit more and more or or they, they live close to one of the facilities that we set up or, and so they're able to come back and forth on a, on a, bi-weekly basis from September to March. And I think that the idea and the perspective that we have for the future is going to do, do more than what can happen in, in several weeks of visitation to a, to a doctor um, at the VA. I, I really think that, you know, veterans have said that, you know, this weekend has done more for me than what past couple of years of going to a, you know, a mental health has done for me at the VA. He goes, I can't yeah. believe it. Um, and I don't think there's a way that we could put on paper or documentation or even give the ability for a scientist to come in and study what we do the, to, to give what is it that you do that makes it so different. And I think as we just provide the veterans to, to act natural uh, and, and let them bond again. Because I think that you know veterans get out, they lose camaraderie. And camaraderie just goes so far when it comes to the health of, of men- mental health. Yeah, it, it allows you to be around people that are like-minded. It allows you to, to decompress um, on the ears um, and an agreement to disagree type environment. But it also in the military camaraderie with your fellow, you know, soldier, Marine, whatever, saw you through so many hard times in training and um, hard times with maybe a physical aspect, mental aspect of certain types of training. And I, I think that is a key component that that institutions really lose is is the understanding that camaraderie is a key component to success. And I just think that Wings of Valor 
as a whole, not, I mean, people can, can give me Bruce and the other executor, Scott, you know, the, 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 they do all the good stuff, but, but it, it's a family deal. You know, the, the whole family of Wings of Valor really does this, does this. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, yeah. We, we can't move without them. Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and friend of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit uplandguncompany.com. Yeah, there's a a list a mile long we could probably come up with that things we might take for granted in our daily lives. But I mean, again, to hear from the veterans, the just the simple fact that they were able to go through the entire weekend independently and enjoy themselves and forget about other things. I mean, it's it sounds simple, right? But it sounds like it's also incredibly impactful. Yeah, it's it's it is exciting. Yeah, it's correct. Very, yeah. Just trying to understand these vet- these uh, veterans come in from across the country, and they, they are really impressed with the volunteers. It, it is completely volunteers that keep this place going. And I like to tell them the story. We had a training a, uh, a year ago, and fifty, I think, fifty eight people showed up as volunteers for the training. And someone asked, "Well, how could that be?" I said, "It's because they care." And that, that is why people come out and help because they do care, and that is a. It actually a pretty big part of what happens out here too is that the veterans that are here understand that hey what I did mattered and these people care and they appreciate it um, big part of the healing process also how did the network the network of people uh, the support I, I mean it sounds like there's no shortage of people willing to help and contribute but how did that how did that come together how did the wings of valor family come together well I'll let Sean take a shot at that one <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when it comes to volunteer support, you know, the, 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 the daily routine stuff when the veterans are there, the man, the manpower logistics, um, I think that that really just, that was already there really from, from the time that Bruce has taken to do a yearly, uh, a yearly hunt for veterans. And I think when, when people started to see, oh my God, this is, this is a real thing. Um, we get to help veterans. And it's like I told Bruce, when we first talked about doing this, let's make every day uh, the best day, which is helping veterans, um, versus one day a year, let's do it every day. And, um, I think that that is what people see in society is, you know, people want to help. Uh, to me, that's human nature. And a lot of people don't know how to help veterans. Yeah. They don't know, do well, do I donate money? Do I, do I give to this project? Do I give to that operation? Do I do this? Do I do that? You know, I buy t-shirts and put them in a care package and send them overseas somewhere. And I never get to see the face of the veteran I'm, I'm helping. Right. Well, this gave the community of Parker and Sioux Falls in itself, the ability to come out and help veterans. 
Um, it even gave opportunity for other nonprofits, uh, the DAV, PAV, and so many others that are that are in Sioux Falls. It opened up a door for them to expand and to help impact more of the, of the Iraq Afghanistan type veterans uh, error. And I think it's it's been a really good thing for the veteran community to open up like that. And you know, it, it, a lot of hard work, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of hey, come out, you know, join us. I think you'll like what what we do. You know, and then when it comes to financial support, meetings after meetings after meetings after, you know, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've, I flew up there on a on a day to day basis just to try to, you know, go in, talk to a business, say, hey, this is what we're doing. We want businesses like you involved because you believe in the same ethics we do, which is putting America first and putting those that served first. And you, your, your veteran, your your staff has, has got multiple veterans, you know. Uh, hired into it and mm. um, I, that's that's really how in a lot of ways we started targeting different organizations to get involved with us financially you know and I, I, there's never a time to where you're like okay I'm financially done you always need support financially you always need newcomers yep. when it comes to donations you always need newcomers when it comes to volunteers and um, you know it's so powerful how a message can be carried in a community, and that's really what did it—a message in the community that that Wings of Valor is going to help veterans, and the community just said, "Okay, let's get behind it," and they really did. They mean they have. Yeah, that's very cool. If we if we could, I'd like to talk a little bit about sort of how the lodge operates. I mean, we've touched on a few of those things, but what does that look like from a year-round operational perspective, Bruce? And then I'd like to talk about you know how how veterans are, I think you touched on it briefly earlier, Sean, about how veterans are either invited or express interest in showing up. I'd like to get into that, but Bruce, year-round operations, how does the lodge run? Well, our season, preserve season starts in September, and that's actually when we start the hunting, and we do bring in uh, a veterans group every other weekend. So there's one group per month is – national and the other one tends to be more local and basically the difference is we say national it's probably going to be flying when we say local it's usually somebody that can drive within you know a half a day to be here so we'll get some people from maybe kansas city or from omaha duluth we've had some great great yeah you had a group yeah, from great group duluth from duluth down. actually a couple of years now and we we enjoy that so much but yeah they drive down have a great time um Generally come in on Thursday and um, two days of hunting, four days of camaraderie. <laughs> they leave on Sunday usually. So that's kind of the setup for a, a typical hunt. And uh, we run until the end of March, which is the end of our preserve season out here. And just in the last year, we've also uh, worked at, we're working on a fishing pond, trying to expand into the summer. And it's basically uh, – an area that can be accessed easily from the lodge. So if you come in in the summertime, we're thinking it's going to be an extension maybe into families coming during the summer. And it'll be uh, basically an opportunity to sit on an accessible dock, throw your line in the water <laughs> and catch some fish. We'll have to wait on the hunting for the fall, but um, <laughs> I, I, it's pretty exciting. What are you going to fill that pond up with? <laughs> well, it's more than likely going to be a panfish, but we're, we're thinking beyond that a little okay. bit, too. Yeah. We, we actually, on staff, we have a <laughs> retired game fish and parks guy who has some incredible connections in South Dakota with the people that know how to run an operation like that. 
So um, we're using some networking there, which uh, we're very excited about it. Um, we're trying to get some of those things going here in the next couple of weeks, actually. So there's there's things to do in the summertime. It's a couple of acres of, of uh, lawn out here with um, really a, a incredible landscape, I think you could say. So when people do come in, when veterans do come in, I think generally there's the, the driveway is lined with flags. We get a lot of wows, and they understand real quick that this is going to be something special. And it's going to be something that shows them we do sincerely appreciate the service to this country. Um, I, I can tell you that I've heard so many testimonials like that. The instant they turn into the yard, they know this is going to be something special. And we do everything we can to give them that uh, that experience that they haven't had before. So, um, yeah, there's plenty to do every day of the week out here. <laughs> and uh, we do have a kennel here. Do We have a couple dogs um, that we keep here, but a lot of the volunteers have their own dogs if they volunteer to guide. And they'll bring those in and they're well-trained dogs. Um, they get a lot of their, a lot of extra work out here though, because there are some days we'll shoot 70, 70 pheasants. And <laughs> it's, it's a great time. We haven't spent much time talking about the hunting part of it because it is, it is sort of secondary, <laughs> but it is what draws them in. There's no question about it. When they hear pheasant hunting in South yeah. Dakota, they say we're in or we're coming. And most of the time they show up. We've had very few cancellations, which is a big, big part of making this successful. Also, Sean, anything to add to that? No, you know, I think he does well. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's it's bad for me because you know I'm, I'm out of I'm out of state you know so I, I kind of do my best to help do some of the national type stuff as the president you know and I, I do everything I can to help you know Bruce you know get through some of that um daily you know daily operational things but you know we we really have had good luck with um you know our, our vice president Scott and uh, some others to, to their more local base to, to to help Bruce get through the day <laughs> you know in some instances you know. <laughs> Well, I've got I've got the time. I, I'm retired, so it's it is a lot of fun. Is it hard work? Yeah, some days it's it's hard work, but it's very gratifying. Um, I have always said that the veterans over the 15 years we've been doing a veterans hunt, they're the most appreciative people I've ever worked with, and it's it is fun. It's it's actually very humbling many days when you get to hear a story of where they've been and what they've done and where they are in their path in life. And it's uh, it's incredible, um, humbling work, I guess, is what you could say. Um, I just I always like to add that you really don't understand the weight that some of these young kids are carrying for this country until you're around them a lot and you get to hear some of the stories. It's um, yeah. It's got to affect you, and it, and it does. And uh, we get volunteers out here who, after they've been here a couple times, they'll come up and just say, well, thank you for letting me be part of this. Um, I've learned so much about the veteran community. I've learned so much about how much they've given deployments and all these other things we've, <laughs> we've learned about. Because I, I myself, I'm not military. Um, I have members of my family, uh, nephews that have served. I have uncles that have served. But I've, this is as close as I've, I've come to this whole um, community of, of people that have raised their hand, signed their name, and as some say, signed a blank check for this country. They're incredible people. They truly are incredible people. Yeah, Bruce, I, I'm curious about the property 
I think we we mentioned it a little bit as far as it's it's set up nicely for what you do, but were there accommodations or you know what what things went into actually making the hunt part of it possible? You know, we've said a couple of times how the hunt is is somewhat of a secondary component here, but but again, that is it's part of it. So how do we what accommodations had to be made and and how do the hunts run? So over the years we we sort of developed and added to it. So there's, uh, there's food plots, there's wood lines uh, that we hunt. And then the thing we added that a couple of years ago was the European hunt, the tower hunt, which is uh, actually is very useful. It's very, um, I don't know, engaging for young guys that are coming out for the first time. And we don't really call it a hunt. It's more of a shoot, obviously, but it does give the opportunity yeah. for someone who hasn't hunted before put the shotgun in their hands and help them make the decision on a bird that's coming over and exciting times when they hit that first bird, sometimes first pheasant they've shot. Sometimes it's the first hunting they've, they've I've hunted anything. And when you get to be part yeah. of that, it's pretty incredible. Um, hundreds of pictures with birds though. I mean, that's the part that just stands out. And I mean, if you go on a website or if you go on our Facebook page, orange, 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 smiling faces holding birds <laughs> I mean, it's a, that's the incredible yeah. part of it the second day of hunting is actually a more of a traditional south dakota walk and block hunt and then you say well disabled veterans walk and they say well we have track chairs for that so um, everybody has an opportunity to move with the group through the field and get as many opportunities to shoot and that's a big deal too again it brings back that independence that aspect of it to, to the hunt and gives everyone uh, equal opportunity to shoot. So um, we'll get we'll get uh, every once in a while that three, four, five bird flush, and and most everybody that hasn't experienced that before will go, wow. <laughs> that's uh, and if and if you talk to upland bird yeah. hunters that come to South Dakota the pheasant hunt, that's one of the things they talk about. Um, that that multiple bird flush, as well as watching the dogs work. You know, that's always incredible. Most people make a comment, wow, those those dogs are fun to watch, and they are they are well trained dogs. So it's a lot of fun. Not too many things like a, a big, gaudy, colorful rooster against a blue South Dakota sky to kind of quiet the noise in your head and, and let you focus on something like that, right? Well, I always say it, it doesn't matter how many years you've been hunting. When you have that rooster take off a couple inches from your toe <laughs> and that cackle, your heart goes from about 60 to 160 in about a half a second. It's the same. It's the same every time. It really is. It, it never changes. <laughs> yeah. What about the, Sean, I'd be curious of your take, the, you know, knowing the fascination that myself and listeners, we all have with our bird dogs, you know, they play a special role in all of our lives. I have to imagine that, that the bird dogs have to be some of the, some of the most key volunteers at Wings of Valor Lodge. Oh yeah. I mean, we've, you know, we, we've actually had to, you know, retire uh, two dogs and um, they, they've, they come out there and they work their, their heart out for us, you know, and, you know, we have another dog that was donated by a by a gentleman, a, a, a fundraiser last September, um, he actually purchased the dog uh, through um, an auction and donated it right back to Wings of Valor. Um, his name's Gunner, and he's going through training now. And, <laughs> you know, he's, you know, he uh, he's got a lot of spirit, and I hope he keeps that. You know, he's going to be a really good piece for for the for the veterans because he also he's really good, and the dogs are really good about you know that companionship mm-hmm. that that's natural to dogs and. After the hunting, some of the dogs kind of hang out, and and, and uh, the veterans really like interacting with the dogs as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Are there opportunities for whether it be veterans or somebody that would have contacts 
if they were interested in in Wings of Valor, like how would they go? And we'll kind of talk about the contact information, and I will have links to all this stuff. But it, are there certain groups of people or or ways to express interest in in going on a hunt at Wings of Valor, Sean? Well, you know, we usually do a lot of our contacts by phone call and uh, yeah. by emails mostly, um, and that's when that email hits, it comes through a a main email system and. At this point in time, a lot of the veterans we've had come up with just, you know, word of mouth or suggestions by guys that's already been up there or the, some of the ladies. And um, so I think the easiest thing would be just to contact the lodge directly, um, email, yeah. you know, one of the, myself, Bruce or, or Scott, you know, and um, we'll get you on the list and we'll, we'll be able to offer you some dates or, you know, let you know when, you know, the next segment of hunting is going to be open for, you know, new, new slots. Got it. How about... Uh... Any stories come to mind from, from maybe this last fall hunting season? I know we've kind of highlighted a few of them as we've gone through our conversation, but any uh, any memorable hunts or moments that come to mind from for either of you guys, Bruce? There are many. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I believe that. I don't don't know quite which one which ones to share. I guess I guess probably the most impactful ones are the ones you think about, and you know, we had a young guy come in this last year. Uh, really hesitant to show up, um, and um, I got to tell you, we—I um, get a hard time not. Rick, <laughs> he um, he changed in front of our eyes. I mean, Sean can talk about it a little bit too. He's really having a tough time, and he—I um, just talked to him this morning. Actually, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. And um, someone he met here, some conversation he had here, someone gave him permission to come home, as Sean calls it. And he did. And um, just speaking to him this morning, he's he is the happiest young man you'd ever talk to. I'll let Sean add a little bit there. I know Sean has a lot more to more of the story. I, I think it's it really just speaks to you know what we've worked hard to do at Wings of Valor as a family, and that's just provide a place for you know for guys to to come home. Uh, I mean, it's, I think it's just a it speaks volumes, especially right now with everything going on in, in society. Um, veterans, mm-hmm. you know, after the fall of Afghanistan and, you know, the, the pullout that happened there, you know, a lot of veterans are just feeling like, man, we're the second generation now of veterans that this has happened to. What are we fighting for? You know, and I think that that's a hard question to answer right now. What are we fighting for, you know, for some of these, for some of these vets? Um, and it, I think it has allowed him to come come to the lodge and 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 kind of seek that answer out. And I think he got it. Yeah. And we we also know that not not everyone that comes in it, it doesn't that transformation or whatever it is that happens we refer to it as the magic I guess but it doesn't always happen. And then sometimes we actually have the better will ask if he can come back because I think he's seeking that and he's understood that it's that it can happen. And uh, hopefully they do come back. And uh, that next visit makes a difference. I think that every visit makes a difference. Like I said, the conversations they have, and Sean really is the lead on that in the evening. After dinner, they sit around the fire, and sometimes till 3, 4 in the morning. And then I, I wonder why Sean, <laughs> Sean doesn't want to wake up in the morning. <laughs> but those conversations go on. I'm generally not part of that. Um, I'm more on the operational side, making sure things that are, are happening and helping with making sure volunteers are doing what they're supposed to do. And when it really comes down to that, that uh, impactful time of sharing, um, Sean tends to be the lead. And then we've also designated some other veterans, local veterans that have been out here several times 
as ambassadors to do that also. So if, if Sean can't make it in from Atlanta, which <laughs> we can't expect him to be here every hunt, um, we yeah. have we have local veterans that have um, also been in combat who will um, be the lead for that. And then, like I said, those those lucky people get to stay up until three, four in the morning. <laughs> also, <laughs> but uh, sounds like a hunting lodge to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good. Stuff. I tell you, it's a it's always good to come out. You know, thirty minutes before, you know, you get supposed to go out and do clay shoots and instructions on the weapons, and you're like, man, did I even go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and we are no uh, non-alcohol lodge, also, so we um, okay. we don't uh, get into that. We actually um, asked, uh, surveyed the people as they were leaving, the young veterans, and they all said the same thing: bad idea. <laughs> yeah. We don't need that, and it's it's worked out very well. It's it's actually worked out incredibly well. Plenty of other things to focus on. I, I think I did see in in one of the or one of the videos for the lodge there was there was guys shooting clays and then there was a guy behind him hitting golf balls. I mean, it looked like looked like there's no shortage of things to do. There. <laughs> yeah, we get some real characters through here. <laughs> <laughs> what are the ways that folks listening could potentially contribute? I know I know you do at least one big fundraising event. I'm guessing that's that's fairly local, but uh, whether somebody's in the area or or outside of the area what what might be a way that they could get involved or contribute to your guys mission um i'll i'll speak to that quickly uh obviously just given a contact in us we do have an endowment that's set up and we're trying to get to a point where it'll um, fund the daily operation costs of the uh, the fixed costs that we have just to stay open every day of the year and we've had some nice uh, donations to that so they tend to be from those people that have um, foundations themselves and they have the resources to do that at, at some fairly high levels. We certainly appreciate that. And then we also have, as you said, the fundraisers. We actually have two of them now. So one is in the fall, which is September 10th this year, and that will be a tower hunt. We, we did that last fall as well. That was our first major fundraiser. We had really good success. So if they check out the website or check out our Facebook page, you'll find those dates that are set already. And they can get involved that way by coming down and, and shooting and or just being part of the group. We have a live auction, silent auction, and those things will be posted. The winter one, the one we had in March, was uh, in Sioux Falls at the Military Alliance. It was a great evening address type of uh, formal event. And uh, we, we did some of the same things there, but we had a, a fair amount of uh, sharing of stories. Um, young veterans who, like I said before, I mentioned a young man who shares his story. We had several people do that. We do that in the fall, too. We get a, maybe just a shorter uh, period of time to do it, though. Um, talk about the impact that the lodge has had on, on these young veterans. But uh, there's, yeah. there's a couple ways. And then off the other one, we still do corporate hunts out here. So if you have a family or a business or a group of guys that have been coming to South Dakota, consider coming to Wings of Valor. Uh, any money that's raised goes towards funding veterans hunts. And if, if it's uh, requested and or if it works out right, you might even get the opportunity to, to hunt with um, several disabled veterans and really see firsthand how this works out here. And the, We've had a few of them and they've, they've absolutely appreciated that opportunity. Again, like Sean said, a lot of people don't know how to help veterans, how, how you approach that. You know, by having a hunt out here, you're actually, you're doing that. So we, we appreciate all those things. That's really cool. Sean, you talked a little bit about 
kind of looking ahead and and the future and stuff whether it whether it's the grand master plan or just things you're you're looking at you know ahead in the year to come what things are what things are you focusing on to continue doing the good work that you guys are doing well uh right now we're really focusing on um obviously our upcoming you know september event is coming up soon but we're also doing our best to, to get ourselves ready for the national stage as a, as a young nonprofit, you know, you know, we've only been in service for roughly 32 months and, you know, we've impacted 283 veterans by my roster. Mm. And I think it's important people to know that because, you know, we're becoming a force to be reckoned with, so to speak, you know, we are getting ready to make that step up to the stage plate of some of these other big nonprofits that you're well known across the nation. And we're just trying to get things in place, you know, department settings, things of that nature, so that we can, you know, get this thing can continued success and, and, you know, getting ahead, the right people in the head of those departments is, is a successful component. And then I guess you'd say even short, shorter than that, you know, as far as timeline, we, we are doing our best to branch out in Sioux Falls when it comes to, back, you know, donors and you know, people to sponsor us out of there just continuously going after people that that are all about supporting veterans and just offering that opportunity like you said earlier you know we got to offer them an opportunity or, or else they'll they'll find somewhere else to put their money you know yeah yeah absolutely well by any measure or stretch of the imagination i mean you guys have done some incredible work and as you mentioned you've you've only been up and running for a couple of years so i i can't imagine what uh what the future holds but i certainly Wish you guys all of the best in in your mission. Keep up the great work. Wingsofvalorlodge.org is the website. I will, of course, put a link to that in the show notes. There's contact information there. Folks want to get a hold of you, and hopefully we can continue to find ideas where we can all work together. And, uh, you know, I usually offer this to any of my guests, but if the Birdshot podcast can be of any service to you guys in your mission, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would be, I'd be happy to help and contribute if I can, but I want to thank both of you for your time today. And thanks for taking some time to share your great story with the listeners of the Birdshot podcast, guys. Hey, thanks, Nick. No, thank you, Nick, so much. Thank you. Thanks to all the listeners as well. Thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in everybody. That does it for this episode of the Birdshot podcast presented by Onyx Hunt and Final Rise. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, and share, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. 
Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gun Doggy Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.